0: bit about crypto once again i'm the job whisperer david james and once again i'm with my host dave hampton robo recruiter hello everyone hey good to see you again man
1: you too seems like a long <laughs> I, time no see it seems
0: like i've been mean, really it's only been five days yeah <laughs>
1: seems like i haven't even seen you uh where yeah. you been what are you doing uh, man, i'm coming to the office just like you really
0: <laughs> yeah i'm there from 2 a.m to like 3 30 a.m <laughs> i don't see you
1: well, I'm sleeping during those times.
0: <laughs> yeah. and So, anyway, once again, I want to say uh, thank you to all the supporters. It happened so quickly; it didn't happen fast. It yeah, it happened fast. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, yeah, we're we're um, we're together here with uh, a bit about crypto. We talk about a bit about crypto as it relates to blockchain and cryptocurrency and jobs and the market and things that are changing. And um, as everybody knows, I've been a recruiter a long time and David's been a recruiter not as long, but coming on a long time. And uh, we actually transitioned a few, I don't know, almost a year ago and we said, hey, we're gonna start recruiting in the cryptocurrency space. And uh, it just so happened. And one of the people who I actually, I saw him and I talked to him and I just said, You know, I noticed that you actually have some really, really uh, good experience, and so I I called our guest out of the blue, and I just, hey, I want to pick your brain, and you know, he had a lot of things to say as he thought about crypto, and I went, you know, this is somebody, uh, then we started, we're going to do the podcast, I knew immediately, uh, actually I knew immediately when I spoke to him that he's the type of person I'll go to for more information, so... But anyhow, hey, so so what's going on as far as in your life, David? As far as cryptocurrency or anything, job-related, is important. What are you What are you seeing happening?
1: Uh, well, I mean, uh, let's see here. As we as we've been discussing, the, the uh, you know, we're on a we're on a precipice of of something that uh, it's gonna it's changing us by the by the minute, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm not talking about the transactions that you can do cryptocurrency. I'm talking about the uh, type of things type of uh, jobs that are out there that are going to be switching from the technical side to over to uh, the crypto side in terms of the engineering in yeah, uh, blockchain and yeah in coding yeah so i mean it, it's it's a it's a very interesting world i mean it's it's i'm excited because we are at the beginning of an industry that's starting up versus an established industry like the one we've been in before construction yeah and like gas. To, like quoting
0: dan held how he said that in 1991 the internet half a percent of people were using the internet in 1991 and now 60% of the world right. is using it and right now as far as blockchain we're at half crypto a percent. we're at half a percent right, right? so we, we, it's like the internet in the beginning it's like well you you can't get netflix
1: yeah and it's it's exciting because we don't there's a lot we don't know there's a lot you know we, we seem to know yeah. and there's a lot in between
0: well speaking about a lot that i don't know our next guest Reminds me about how much I don't know and I, I don't say that lightly. He's he's really 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 impressive guy. I mean, and I, I speak to a lot of candidates and I have spoken to a lot of candidates. Right. He's got a bachelor's degree in. Uh, well, he's got two bachelor's degree. He's got a bachelor of arts. In international studies from the University of Pennsylvania, and he also has a double-degree, I guess, Bachelor's of Science in Economics from the University of Pennsylvania, Concentration, Management, and Real Estate. He doesn't have his GPAs up here, but you're going to tell that they were high. He also has a Master's in Global Finance from NYU, Stearns Business School, that you say it's the best. Now, you did go to NYU for your Master's. I did. So you're not biased at all. You say it's the best.
1: I mean, when I was going to school back then, it was rated the best.
0: Well, I, I mean, when, you, when I see candidates that have the Stern NBA, I go, I, I, I'm going to take a listen. Yeah. but he I mean, also has
1: got to be at least top three. I mean, yeah.
0: But the dude also went to Hong Kong University of Science and Technology Business School in Hong Kong. He's probably going to tell us about that. He's worked in wealth management as a client advisor. You know, that first job figure, kind of like how we figure out what we're going to do when we grow up, right, right out of school. Right, and Except then, he
1: started using his degree right away. Right,
0: right, right. Which is which is an important. Which thing. is so, which is unusual to right? today's. So today. he did. He didn't. He didn't have a hundred thousand dollars in debt and go to work at Starbucks. Right, working for the guy yeah, or who quit high mobile, school right? in tenth grade. Right, right. Who would be his boss? Like a lot of kids have. Right. Then he worked for Lazard Asset Management. Right, and he, he's there for like twelve years, and he's going to talk about that. But he was the. Vice president and cl- client portfolio manager, right? And yeah. you know, and the reason guys like this because they, they understand how money, currency, commodities, yeah, you know, uh, uh, securities, how they move, and what type it's of behavior. Old school they
1: have. thing, right? Follow the money.
0: Yeah, but it, it's going to go into cryptocurrency, right? And I, I know he's taking another role, right? And I'm going to let him talk about that. And so I very much want to welcome today's guest, Eduardo Abru Abreu. Abreu. Sorry, I wrote it down so I said it correctly. Abreu, sorry about that. Edward, thank you so much for joining us yeah, thank on you. the show, coming on today and talking Lovely about it. How are things going with you, man?
2: Doing all right. The more I delve into the crypto space, the more I realize I don't know.
1: Yeah, right? It's, it's, a, That's it's the beauty of it, isn't it? It's an
2: exciting time. It's like everybody just
0: landed on the moon and it's like, hey, you know, you can eat those. No, you can't. It looks like sand. I know it looks like sand, <laughs> but you can actually eat it. So uh, this is my typical icebreaker. Just yeah, you you don't lack shyness or confidence, but I'm gonna say to you, as I say to all my guests, <clears throat> how did cryptocurrency find you?
2: So when we spoke, I believe I alluded to this, but back in I think it was 2015, um, Bloomberg Markets uh, magazine had Blythe Masters on the cover, and for. Listeners who don't know who she is, she very talented individual who invented the credit default swap, a very technical financial product, but innovative. Can can you can you can you dumb it down and just tell our listeners what that is so they understand in such a way? It it allows companies to bet on a a country or a company not paying its debts. (laughs) It's basically a way to take a bet whether they to Kind of like the
1: Big Short back in the like the movie Big Short. Is that is that what they did? Correct. Yeah.
2: I I have some
0: cousins we could bet on.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so do I. I, Don't don't share the podcast with them. (laughs) Go on, go on. And she was on the cover talking about how she was then doing something on blockchain. And that's really the first time I came across the concept. And beyond that, I started reading more about it. And in 2017, I did some of my first investments. I got to live through the ICO bubble. Uh, got to live through the crypto winter thereafter hodled um stayed in the market and uh now seeing what's going on okay okay stop 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 cool. so what he's saying is is that he got into
0: bitcoin before it went up to 20,000 right and he saw it go down and it stayed at 3,000 from 2017 to most recently pretty much right and so and then he held on right that's what you're saying
2: Yep. Okay, go on. In the crypto space they say hodl, which despite many people claiming it's uh hold on for dear life, it really just originated that someone on a post in a forum somewhere mistyped the word hold. He was drunk. He was drunk. Yeah. So, he mistyped the word and it stuck. Now in the crypto space to hold on and not sell is called hodling. Mainly because of a typo.
0: So go on. So go on about you. So the crypto winter, right?
2: Yeah, so kind of kept, stayed in the market. And uh, last year, I think it was, started experimenting with what's called yield farming, where you can deposit your tokens in one sort of uh, mechanism to then leverage it and earn a higher return on another mechanism. And in essence, try to do some of what banks normally do, but as an individual. Uh, If you think about the ethos behind crypto, it's all about being self-sovereign and being your own bank. There's no intermediary to clip those returns. Oh, great. So concept. As an individual, You can hopefully profit and make more money yourself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So let's, let's talk about you. Let's talk about your life. And, uh, you know, I, and I know you, you, sp- you spoke to me about it, but for our audience I'd give you opportunity to showcase yourself, you know, you get out, talk, talk. it was just wonderful. The way you elaborated to me on the choices of your degrees, how you got there, Hong Kong client advisor, yeah. please. Go on.
2: Yeah. So when so I'll, I'll start I guess in reverse chronological order. In uh, beginning of 2019, I decided I was going to basically further my own education. I realized there was a lot I didn't know. I was looking a lot at a lot of disruption going in the industry and in traditional finance, and I said, Well, I know I don't know things. So I first went and got a certificate in fintech from Oxford University, their Said School of Business had an online program. And that really made me open my eyes about exactly how much the world had changed since I graduated university. I then decided that looking at myself objectively and thinking about what I needed, I realized that from a work and personal experience and um, educational experience, I had exposure to Europe, the U.S. and Latin America. But when I looked around the world, I didn't really have exposure to Africa, Middle East or Asia and looking at where most of the growth is and at that about 40% of the crypto industry is based out of Asia. I decided that I need to have some exposure there. And that's why I chose the joint program between NYU and Hong Kong University of Science and Technology in order to uh, basically mitigate that gap. And that's actually the picture I have behind me is a picture of Hong Kong taken from Victoria Peak.
0: Wow okay so go on
2: go on so uh, prior to that i've been i've been uh, prior to uh setting up on the degree i've been working at lazard for um i guess at the time was over 10 years and um as you mentioned earlier i was a senior vice president client portfolio manager um basically that just means i was the technical representative of the investment team that went to meetings to update clients or help the sales uh, team closed the business. And the other half of my job was doing some strategy work internally, uh, working with um, some of the senior management, uh, creating uh, either different business plans or projections, uh, internal efficiencies, and other strategic directions and initiatives. Uh, Created a FinTech roadmap, um, kind of born out of my renewed and uh, sort of revamped uh, sense of FinTech and propose that to the firm. And before that, uh, client advisor at UBS Wealth Management, uh, very much more on the client-facing side, helping high net wealth individuals uh, decide what to do with their money, how to allocate and ensure that they were meeting their goals. And before that, I was in the university, uh, joint degree, international studies and business, uh, studied abroad in France. And uh, that's kind of my journey in a reverse chronological order.
0: Wow, man. That's a, this we got a renaissance man here. Right?
2: I don't know about that. I I definitely wouldn't call myself that. There's a lot I know I don't know. No,
0: no, we'll call you that. We're <laughs> going. What are you going to say, David? I was
2: So so what is it what, what what do you do right now? What's the what's the current gig? So I'm a general partner at a small firm called uh, Polymath Principal Partners. They operate under uh the name P3 Capital. I'm trying to build out an advisory business for them and uh Part of that entails having, well, we registered and have an RIA, helping clients with asset allocation, model portfolios and the like. Um, Also advising clients on um, either go-to-market strategy or um, different ways to extract efficiencies or position themselves for future disruption. Uh, Among them, we work with a crib and free trade zone, helping them with a multi-vendor e-commerce platform that we're now branching out beyond goods to services given that it's a very talented and educated workforce, uh, we realized that the opportunity for, well, let's call it Gen 3 services is greater than for Gen 2 services. Uh, so we're trying to position them for that. And I was working with a um, US-based broker dealer that was launching a robo-advisor in Peru. So uh, helping uh, foment the rather uh, build out the go-to-market strategy. When do you sleep, man? Uh, usually at night.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, it's impressive. It's impressive, and and also your 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 ability for recall and the way you talk about these things. It might be you just say, "Dude, this is what I do every day," but to me, I'm fascinated, and that's not a backhanded compliment.
2: So you're too kind.
0: Yeah, I tell my wife that. So, but anyhow, uh, I'm not
2: getting involved in any uh, yeah, marital disputes. I'm sorry, uh, I, I wouldn't advise it either. A license
0: for that? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna need one. I oh, know she's a great gal. Listen, um, I wanted to talk to you so. Uh, so I asked you how crypto found you, right? Yep. But, and, and I'm, I've got an experience with a lot of candidates, a lot of, a lot of candidates, like I, we, we spoke a few days ago to a, uh, a, guy, a guy and a gal who are just college age and they just, they, they literally, they're working for their dad as a recruiter. I actually taught his dad how to be a recruiter a long time ago. That's a whole different story. And they said, look, we are losing positions to automation, Right and everybody's getting this aha moment i mean you know they've been talking for years about hey robots are coming to do this we see them they vacuum for us all day we've got artificial intelligence but everybody has their aha moment and puts an idea so so i mean david's aha moment uh my co-host was was me like i kept talking about uh bitcoin 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 and he's like, yeah, whatever. But you know, he learned through the mentorship, right? Because learning about blockchain and, and, and Bitcoin, it's, it's a mentorship business. Just, you need a mentor to do it, especially if you don't want to lose all your coins to the wrong address. But and, you know, I digress. And you know, just when we, we were at lunch today, we were talking about blockchain. We were, we were talking specifically about uh, how Cardano has signed with Ethiopia for 5 million student records to be on the blockchain. And we talked about how LinkedIn, uh, you can't just reinvent yourself after you get fired a couple of times. say, so, yeah, I never worked there. And he's, he's over at the soda machine getting a refill and he says, hey, how come somebody hasn't done a real resume service that's on the blockchain? How come LinkedIn hasn't done it? And I said, well, I'm certain LinkedIn doesn't wanna do that because you know people say, well, I guess I'm not gonna be a subscriber anymore. But what I saw happening is this date, you know, and, and literally this happened just half an hour before this podcast. I watched him go, hey, this would be a good idea for blockchain. Now, it's a simple idea because he's had the aha moment of what blockchain is. And as much as you told me how you got into uh, blockchain cryptocurrency and you walked me through, through your life cycle of, of its growth and, and your, your awareness of consciousness to it, tell me what your aha moment was. And then please talk a little bit further about some ideations that you have for blo- for, for blockchain.
2: So, With that prompt, it wasn't one aha moment. I'd say it was probably several. Uh, The first one was a good friend of my brother's from high school was living in Japan. And I remember him seeing around the time, maybe even a little before I had seen the Blythe Masters article, it it was around the same time zone, like, like time frame. He was living in Japan and he was pointing out that he was using Bitcoin to send himself money from the US in order to avoid the onerous wire fees from banks. So most banks charge you $25, $50, depending on the service, size of your account, relationship, what have you, to send money from the US to another bank account and anywhere on the, in the world. It's just it's the way that they, it's what they charge. And I remember him posting explicitly that he was taking money from his account in the US, converting it to Bitcoin, sending it to his exchange in Japan that had an off-ramp, so a way to get the money out, to a, his Japanese bank account. And he, since it was happening fairly quickly at the time, the network wasn't very congested, his exchange fees and, and all of his like ability to transact and send the money from one place to the other was minuscule. It cost him a few dollars. For someone that's out of school, saving money, and saving himself every time he needed to send money uh, from home over $20, that adds up. So that's the first time I saw exactly how the payment rails were circumvented with new technology. I also remember reading an article years ago, um, probably somewhere between that, uh, having seen that experience, having read the article before my first investment scene, I forget which mining firm it was, but one of the big um, mining conglomerates around the world was talking about how they're using blockchain, not Bitcoin, but blockchain, the underlying technology to track uh, any ore they took out from the ground, from point of mining, all the way through the process to end product. And the fact that they lived on a blockchain, even though it was a private blockchain, was more resilient and robust than if they would have just had some sort of database somewhere that you have to scan a skew at each point, because it became an immutable record. And those two things started really opening my eyes to how transformative technology could be, especially the fact that it you, you can really audit at any point in time. And you can't go back, you can't alter the records. It is what it is, it's, it's there. And to the point that you were making ab- earlier about LinkedIn, there are some um, credentialing institutions that are starting to use the blockchain to confer their degrees let's talk about for it. Example, yeah for example when i did my uh, fintech certificate from oxford yes they sent me a physical certificate but before the physical certificate arrived from england i actually had a a token basically that more, that pointed to my certificate record on a blockchain
0: yeah I mean, let's just stop for a second <clears throat> we were talking at lunch because we were talking about your resume right the guests we're going to speak to and David, of course, touted Stearns, NYU, and I said, "Well, you're not biased, are you?" And he goes, "Well, it's the best business school in the country." And I said, "Better than Harvard?" And what did you say? And do it the same way, do it the exact same well,
1: way. I mean, people probably, you know, say, Harvard it is better than you know everything else," but it's, it's, you know, that's that's now, how I say. You know,
0: what's the difference between a Stearns degree and a Harvard degree? Out about two hundred thousand dollars, right? I mean, but anyhow. And then I I made a fact I, I I cited a fact that there are six times as many resumes permeating the planet that say <sighs> graduate Harvard Business School than ever attended the campus. I mean it, it's like one of the biggest perpetuated lies. People say that I, I've got a a Masters in business from right. Harvard
1: University, in which, which begs the question: How is that not caught? Like, how are people not caught on that?
0: Yeah, and so the, so then then uh, you know, the uh, the producer of the studio, John Orlando, yeah, <clears throat> here at Sticky Paws Studio, Las Vegas, Nevada, Sunset Drive, uh, Suite One Forty Two. What are, what studio are we in? Studio Studio A, <laughs> in B or in B? Uh, he said. <clears throat> He says, how many people actually check? He says, you guys as recruiter, what percentage of people actually check references and and, and vet out these lies? And which we said? I
1: don't know. About 1%. 1%. Yeah. And then Jono says? Only if the client asks us." Yeah, stuff.
0: yeah. And Jono says, yes, because just people just don't have time, do they? I said, nope, good on you for lying, I guess. I mean, you know, I, I've always recruited in areas of trade, when trade, for lack of a better word, well, if you're an auditor, it's going to be really quick that you don't know how to audit or you didn't really go to, you know, accounting school, USC or, or wherever it is, and you really didn't work for Ernst & Young, right? And then, and then when I was in the casino business, right, placing people in gaming... Everybody knew there's a small degree of separation there. And now we work in commercial construction. And the, if you don't know how to build really, really big things, they're going to figure that out in the interview. So you can't really lie away through that. My experience has been the most of the liars in the world, and I've hated placing sales and marketing people. They're always like the fish was that big, Right. So, but anyhow, yeah. So, but but go on with with some, some more of the. I, I wasn't aware of that. I, I that's a fascinating story. What well was that the idea? The credentialing is that the thing that gave you the idea. You you've had some ideas, and and I don't want you to like give away your intellectual property if you are going to like try and. Pay. I really don't. But part of the show is to bring awareness to people. Like, hey, this. I want people who have a skill or a talent or even an ambition to know, hey, I want to work in this space and we're going to find a way to apply it. So what I'm really saying to you is, is give me some of the ideas of how you see blockchain changing the world. Yeah. And, I, and I've been it looking forward to talking to you for all this time, a month, knowing that I was going
2: to ask you this question. So the certificate being on the chain was actually not at all – one of the things that triggered any idea for me. It was just, it was a nice to have. And it, the thing that to me is really about the power behind this is if you look at the workflow for almost any transaction that could be standardized, there's a lot of cost that gets accrued to the end user precisely because there are all that there are all those middlemen. One of the things that really pointed that out to me was there's a company that offers partial real, like uh, fractional real estate investment. I think it's called Fundrise. And the reason why they have an offering that goes out to different individuals like you or me that historically would not be able to make these investments because they don't have access to an investment banker is precisely because they standardize the contract format. So they don't need the investment banker in the middle. They standardize the contract once and they can go from Origination to uh, placing fairly seamlessly, and that's why they're cheaper, because they don't have to accrue all those uh, every time there's a middleman with a markup. So that was one of the things that prompted me on on fintech when I learned about the smart chain aspects within Ethereum. That really opened up my eyes to what you could do with it. So if you think about the fact that options our standardized contract, especially after the financial crisis, and they're trying to move them to basically exchange traded options where they're all standardized. And same thing with some of the futures market, where they have to post margin and collateral. Right now, that's being handled by a centralized clearinghouse. What if you didn't need them? That's exactly what a smart contract can do. The, as, long as, the, as long as the crypto contract can bring in outside information that tells them if a certain action is triggered or not and dictates the outcome, You don't need a human being to reconcile the trade it's governed by code you don't need a human being to make sure that the collateral is posted if it's not contract gets executed and you're liquidated all that can be automated in code you don't need a human being and that is a transformative power and we're not even there yet you don't see options of options on crypto available to us-based investors because right now the cftc isn't regulating them so since they're not regulated they don't exist you have very little um, on the cboe and those are more thinly traded than you would expect relative to other contracts
0: yeah it's funny this is a i had a friend of mine who actually said hey i'm going to get a loan on my bitcoin and i said well why don't you just sell some of it right and you know he i mean i just he because he says "No, no no if i actually get this loan it's a non-taxable event I said, okay. And he says, and what's going to happen? And he's only speaking about Bitcoin. He says, I'm going to live off my loans for the rest of my my life. And I said, well, how are you going to do that? And he explained to me, he says, well, what I'm going to do is I'm uh, going to get 35% of my Bitcoin. Right? And he's got quite a bit of it. Right? And I'm going to get that money. And it's interest only for like a year. But by that time, the price of the Bitcoin has gone up like 100%, 200%. Now he's going to take another loan and he's going to keep taking another loan, et cetera, et cetera. Now, whether that's going to work or not, that's 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 in the future. However, here's what he did. He actually filled out an application online, spoke to no human being. I mean, it was just very minimal stuff. Did not provide any type of ID, social security number, driver's license, you know, rental agreement, proving he was who he was. <clears throat> and then he literally sent a Bitcoin to this, this organization. I'll even plug him. I mean, I think he said it was BlockFi. And what ends up happening is he says, the next day, $20,000 was in his bank account. The very next day, right? And so then he said, I had the money. I just kind of wanted to see how it worked and et cetera, et cetera. And then then he he paid it off, right? And they they didn't put the the coin back in his wallet the next, they didn't give him the collateral back the next day, right? But it took him like, I, I think they wait like a week and a half to make sure that there's no monkey business with the way you paid it back, right? but literally he, he put the collateral up, he got the money, he made some payments, he paid it back and he got back, never spoke to anybody, right? And, and I, I'm, I'm only explaining that story because that in itself is a smart contract, right? It was just, it was just very, very binary. And the, these are the waves of the future. And we're gonna figure out how to do real estate transactions this way. I see you smile, so I know you've got some great idea to add to that. And so please
2: well, go ahead. I, I was gonna point out that example, you're still using a centralized intermediary in the form of, of okay. BlockFi. Okay. You're right. You're right. Okay. I mean, yeah, you're right. That's still a centralized inter- intermediary. And this again, this goes back to what you believe is the governing principle of crypto. Okay. And if it's all about decentralization, there's no need for you to actually, or in this case your friend, to have actually gone to a centralized party like BlockFi. Because they have to make money to keep the lights on as well. If he would have gone to a decentralized exchange, a DEX in the lingo of crypto, I'm sure he could have had actually a more favorable rate and that would have gone basically to him in less they had to pay out as far as interest. And in some of these pools that are trying to become, let's call it more relevant or gain more market share, he actually could have been earning incentives for using them. I know that there's some protocols out there that there's a way that you could deposit collateral. So you're getting your interest on your collateral plus you're getting an incentive token in a, uh, so an incentivized rate on a different token. So right now you have you're basically getting two forms of remuneration for your, uh, for your for your collateral. Then when you take out the loan, you, yes you have to pay the loan on the collateral, which is a little higher. but they're also paying you in an incentive token that works to offset the rate that you're paying on that loan. Got it. So if you, so if you think <laughs> I about think, that, yeah. Uh, yeah, you, we, you about it. you're being incentivized by that protocol to take out a loan, precisely because they want to get more traction. Yeah. And yes, you're getting paid in their native token, and you have um, pricing risk that the price moves up or down from where you bought it, uh, so it could go, go with you or against you. But they're basically paying you to take out a loan.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're very. So, oh, I'm
2: sorry. Some of the analysis I saw earlier this week, in that situation. Your buddy could have wound up an extra net, another 2% because of the incentives or more. But in the case of having a centralized intermediary, again, there there is going to be some slippage and friction. So it depends how far down that rabbit hole you want to go. And I would assume that if you paid it off using traditional fiat, that's probably why they waited to return his collateral in yeah, these protocols. Uh, yeah, since he it's did. All he his, did.
0: It was an ACH yeah, out of the bank.
2: If, it, if it's all these protocols that are decentralized and it's purely on chain, there's no reason why he would have waited. All they would have needed was for the block to be or or whatever um, chain he was using to process the transaction and validate it, propagate it through the system, and all his coins would have been returned to him.
0: Yeah, that, that's, that's really a, a, a funny thing because um, we talk about blockchain and we love the decentralization of it. I was speaking on a previous podcast about no one can confiscate Bitcoin, right? No one can come to the blockchain and take it away unless you give up the keys, right? But what people don't understand is when we talk wallets, they say, well, I've got my wallet on Coinbase. It's like, no, you've got your coins in a Coinbase wallet, and they're um, administered and supervised by the, the vested power of the United States government. And if the government decides that you should be parted from your Bitcoin while it's at Coinbase, Coinbase is not going to side with you. They're going to
1: side with with them. Right. right? It's like it would be like the equivalent of a deposit a deposit box. At a bank. Yeah.
0: Right. And by the way, I've, I've had this experience. I've had the, uh, the government over a dispute say, say to the bank, he is not allowed to get into this box until such time. And then I had to like you know lawyer my way out of this. It's like you got the wrong David James. <laughs> Right? And that, that, that took 15 months, 15 months to prove that there's more than one David James. But anyhow, that, uh, but what I'm saying is, is there are so many of these things, so we have this decentralized uh, idea which is blockchain, right? So it's peer-to-peer, it's me to Eduardo with just the technology and nobody else. But it's almost like we need to be weaned off, we need training wheels of sorts, because so we take this decentralized technology and we actually use these centralized systems like BlockFi, like Coinbase, et cetera, et cetera. Because the true decentralized commerce is still very, very much kind of like what
2: Bitcoin was in 2010, I think. Can you comment? You no, know, you hit upon uh, one of the big things that are said in the crypto space is not your keys, not your coins. So right. if you have your money, at, if you have your crypto at Coinbase, you don't have the private keys to those wallets, so to your point, if you want to withdraw, you are at the mercy of it being processed by Coinbase. Last year, you saw that there was that famous Twitter hack, where very famous celebrities I loved it and figures were having were hacked, and it said, "If you send me X number of Bitcoin, I will return double." And a lot of people send money to that. And what happened at the time was that certain uh, centralized exchanges blocked outflows to those addresses. Now, in the traditional space, as your point being weaned off of the traditional um, approach, they w- you would think, oh, great, they were protecting my best interests. But in the ethos of crypto, where you are self-sovereign, right. you should have the right to be an idiot and send your stuff to a scam. <laughs> it's almost the rite of passage. Right? So if you're going to fall for that, then you should use that as kind of learning. You have to realize that you are responsible for your own actions. You are self-sovereign. You are your own bank. You have to guard those keys and, do, and be responsible with it. There is no insurance safety on it. Because what if that actually would have been, what if you were actually trying to send money to an account that was off by one digit at the end, and when it was programmed to block the account transfer, it was actually, there was an input error and it was off by one all of a sudden you're blocked and you can't redeem your coins. And to your point, if the government came back and said, no, this is all block confiscated, take it. Then that's another risk you have. And if you think about it, the U S actually has a history of confiscating assets. It was in the 1930s that uh, I think it was FDR uh, banned the ownership of gold, gold. by U S citizens.
0: Yeah. And we so, were pointed out by a previous guest that that actually literally didn't come off the books until 1975. Yeah. So basically if you had gold in 1975,
2: it was illegal. Kind of like turning right on the red without stopping. So if you think about that, there is a history in this country, because we, at least as far as I can tell, you and I are both in the U S there is a history of asset confiscation. Now, most people will say, Oh, we're not a third world country. They might think of some of our neighbors to the South, but that's actually happened in the history of this country. So If you're really a believer of crypto, if you're really bought into the ecosystem, you're gonna wanna own your own, you wanna actually have custody of your own assets. You're gonna wanna have your own private keys precisely to mitigate the fact that there is a risk of asset confiscation. Plus you also don't have slippage when you transact to the same extent that you would if you're going through an intermediary that's uh, basically marking you up.
0: So if a friend or a loved one says to you, okay, I wanna buy Bitcoin or some crypto, Right. And what do you do? What do you tell them?
2: Well, funny you should ask. I had a conversation with a friend of mine earlier today. Of course you did. I I literally said, here's a referral code to one of these services. Just buy your first amount, get comfortable with it. And then I'll walk you through before you invest further. 100%. What you need to do to set up um, some of your wallets, your keys, and how you set it up so that you can take care of it yourself. But just put in a nominal amount that you're willing to lose just so you can have your price of admission, your price of education as it were.
0: Yeah, that's right. That I, I literally say, I tell people, just go to Coinbase. Is that the best one? I said, well, it depends on what you consider the best one. It's the best one for you right now, right? Because it's, it's, it's just when public, the SEC has got their, their nose all over it. No one's going to steal. Right. And it's going to be easy for you to actually have the experience out of your bank account. Right. Yes, it's the best one. But then they come back later after they learn some stuff. They go, hey, it was expensive. I said, no, you didn't ask me. Is it the cheapest? You asked me, is it the best? And for where you were, it was best. Well, how come you didn't tell me I couldn't do multi-sig on a Trezor wallet? It's like, you know, they, they don't have those concepts. Right. Everybody wants to go to the high dive. Right. Yeah. It's like, just put your toe in the pool. Right. And, and so I do, I do it the same
2: way. And I think it's the only way. So no, well, it, it's, it's basically the price of education. They've got to learn the hard way especially with the first time that they try to send themselves asset off-chain or on the off-chain, off-exchange, you have to really walk them through how important it is to make sure you have the receiving address correct. Because if you make a mistake, you may have lost your coins. I mean, I had, an, I had a situation where I had thought I'd lost some tokens because I had sent them to my wallet um, last year and because I wanted to explore just some protocol. And what I didn't realize, and I thought I had lost the coins forever, was that my interface was not probably configured for that chain that those uh, coins were on. Uh-oh. <laughs> so I thought I had lost them. So again, that was my own fault price of admission. I figured, hey, I didn't realize my wallet didn't accept it. I thought it did. What I had read online said it was supported. Guess it wasn't. Sorry, I thought I lost $70. It wasn't a big deal. It was just, again, just trying something out. So go ahead. it's a good thing i didn't sell those because nowadays in th- that same coin has appreciated so much that it's um worth um it is worth basically 20 times that
0: so that's and, good
2: and so i thought there. I, I was sitting there looking and lamenting i was like wait wait a minute I, I wish i still had those so i could at least keep messing around with it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take the, basically the slightly over a grand out of it. I'm, not, I'm just going to play around with it. Again, it's a learning process. I mean, you're constantly learning in this space. Then I found out that I could configure my wallet to operate on that chain. And then lo and behold, it was like, I found them again. So I, I thought I had lost them, but I had made sure that I had gone to the right location. It's just <laughs> that I didn't realize at the time I had to turn on a specific, a specific configuration to make it work.
0: So I, I literally, uh, I have a, a, a good friend who will remain anonymous, right? But he actually was a major rock star, right? And so he says, yeah, I got some Bitcoin. And can you help me set up my, my Trezor and get it off of Coinbase? And I said, sure, right? And so we come down, we go through the whole protocol. And he finally, he opens up his Coinbase account. He does that. And I look up on the screen. And it's 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 large large seven figure amount, right? Because he can afford to like you know go large in crypto, right? And so anyhow, I I was telling him I said, I think we should start with five hundred dollars. Okay, what we do is we start with five hundred dollars. Let's see if it works, right? <clears throat> and so I was I was washing my hands in the kitchen. He says, okay, we're out ready to push it, and and so then all of a sudden I look and he's 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 got the six million in in the, I said, what are you doing? He says, what, this is what I said to do. I said, $500. He says, Oh, I thought the fee was going to be $500. Right. And so that's like, no, I mean, yeah, I just, uh, man, I would have never forgiven myself. Right. So that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's hairy.
2: You've got got to try it out. But again, we're so used to being conditioned in in the traditional finance space that if you send something, you have a grace period to get it reversed. We're yeah. so accustomed to it with our credit cards that if there's an erroneous transaction on there, that you can go dispute it and then it just magically disappears. <laughs> Someone's still on the hook for it. You just don't think about it because it's not you. You, you. you, you're right about that. It's like it's
0: we changed the whole game. Instead of acrobats working with a net, they work with swords. Now i go see that show. Right. So,
2: <laughs> at the end of the day, w- the more you think about all these different things that you can do with uh, crypto and blockchain precisely because of the smart contract element in some of the new chains and some of the innovations. The way I think about where this is going is that there is no reason why you cannot replicate everything that exists currently in the traditional finance space, in the crypto space. It'll be a one-for-one porting over. Okay. Because that's what it's being based off. That's what it's disrupting. So Uh, I've got... Go ahead, David.
1: No, that's a very astute statement. I mean, that's... I think that there's going to be a lot of transferring of traditional finance-based jobs or traditional finance-based engineering jobs that are going to transfer over to the crypto world. Um, I I had a question. I mean, I don't know if... uh, So your general partner at this firm, are you guys advising in any cryptocurrencies? Are you guys dabbling in any of that stuff?
2: Is that...? So are you allowed to disclose? As part of that, I've been I've been exploring how to work in some crypto elements within portfolios. At least be able to offer it if a client is interested in it. So we have partnered with a custodian that is well known in the space that can handle digital assets, and in particular can offer it within a tax advantage framework. So within a four within an IRA, um, so you can actually have your hold your crypto holdings within your uh, your um, no so because part
1: account. of your portfolio in terms of so it's, it's... It's like another stock asset per se. Is what you're saying? Correct,
2: and it's a way to uh, diversify. I mean, there was a study that was shown on uh, Bloomberg by their crypto strategist Mike McGlone a couple of days ago that even if you take a one percent allocation of Bitcoin it, uh, away from the sixty forty traditional portfolio, it destroys it in the sense that it um, it outperforms the sixty forty portfolio over multiple uh, lagging time periods. I don't have a link to the study. I just remember seeing it um, a couple of weeks ago. But if you think about the fact that it moves generally in an uncorrelated fashion to traditional assets, that's a diversifier you want to have in client portfolios. Yeah. If for no other reason, if you're being a fiduciary, you have to at least present it to them. So that's one thing. The other thing that we're exploring is tokenizing um, other assets and making them uh basically more instantly tradable than they have been historically. So if you think about, let's call it a figurine, a piece of art that maybe it's, let's call it $600, but it's art. It's a figurine, it's a statue and it may have a precious metal component into it. It's too small to be, to go to an auction house, but it's also unique enough that you can't necessarily find a ready, willing and um, a ready buyer in your network that might wanna buy it. right? But let's say that I want to sell it to David because he's interested in it. I then also have to make sure it gets to him in a safe fashion that he can fully take custody of it, has to get insured and all the other like. But what if he just wants to say that he owns it and doesn't actually wanna display it? Wouldn't it be a lot easier to have some sort of digital representation of it secured somewhere that way he can buy it and then he has claim and ownership of the asset? So that's one of the things we're exploring, because the thing you have to solve for is to ensure that the underlying physical asset is still uh, represented um, or rather, is still there to backstop the digital token. This is actually the big issue that's happened with some of the stable coins and the questions that arise, whether or not they are backed one for one with the underlying um, fiat that they're supposed to represent.
0: So we're going to just pivot for just one second. Then we're going to come back to you, Eduardo. So uh, we're going to tout ourselves. Uh, blockchainrecruiters.net and we're going to talk about some of the positions that we're recruiting on, All right, so I, David James, recently, I told you I was going to get that machine learning engineer so, yeah, I got that and I also have a search for a director of policy and communications and by the way, uh, yeah, so one one is in Colorado and the the policy communications is also that's in Atlanta and uh, I actually have a uh, position for a uh, uh, institutional uh, sales manager, right? That can be anywhere. And um, I'm looking for a senior investigator, crypto risk. Oh, yeah. I, that's something that Eduardo could do. Uh, sure. I, I don't want to put you on blast, Eduardo, but anyhow. So, anyhow, what positions do you have since the last podcast?
1: Uh, well, I got a lead recruiter in New York. Uh, well, you know what? You got someone?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm kind of tired of you. I, I'd like to put myself. <laughs> up. I,
1: I, I, I'd like no, to. I mean, anything, you got five
0: years. Remember, that's what you said. Anything to get away from you. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. You really? You want to? You want to search for a recruiter?
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, how?
0: Our, don't don't put that in the database because one of our our, our recruiters <laughs> will take
1: it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, we pay well. Yeah. You we know. got a, a business intelligence analyst. Right. At anywhere you can work from anywhere. Sales director. Uh, that's that's far Phoebe Yeah, between. so we,
0: we never talk clients, and we, we never kiss and tell on candidates. Okay, so as far as the, the candidates that I have, I have an Ethereum developer. Badass. Ethereum developer. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I would like to say he's got 15 years of, of Ethereum development experience, but he doesn't because Ethereum has only been around five years. <laughs> <laughs> right? 2008, Eduardo, is that correct?
2: Well, I think your math is a little off if you're saying five years. How long, how long has ETH been uh, a thing? Well, if you think about the fact that Bitcoin came after the financial crisis, that's at least 12 no, years. No, not Bitcoin, Ethereum, ETH. said Ethereum came shortly thereafter. No, said, came shortly thereafter. Yeah. Really? I didn't, I thought, I thought, I thought it was been Okay. So I'm not. No. Gonna, I mean, by shortly in the, I mean, a couple of years, but I think it's long. I think it has a longer history than five years.
0: That's okay. So anyhow.
2: That's, I'd have to check that. Though. Don't ha- don't ask a
0: question. You don't know the answer that's to on right. the podcast. You get s- act right or yeah. get smacked right. Right. Anyhow. Yeah, we can look it up. I'm sure. No, no, no. You already make me look bad enough as it is, man. <laughs> anyhow. I I, 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 Hey, I'm just right out of your playbook. I got a senior full stack developer. Now we're engineer
1: actually. But yeah. Anyhow. I may have someone for that Yeah. Really? Yeah.
0: Okay. No. And uh, I've got a compliance officer and I've got a director of cyber intelligence. I said, well, you don't have a lot of experience. He says, well, how long has cyber intelligence been around as far as digital? Right. I mean, it's like he has Good actually question. some crypto experience. I mean,
1: I think people are going to people are going to hire the the people who have the skill set and the right personality to, to get it done kind of thing. Yeah. It's going to be attitude and aptitude. Yeah. Right. It's just
2: potential.
0: Like like I don't know what the future is for Eduardo, but I know he's going to be the CEO of something great someday. OK. And, and uh,
2: David, I looked it up. You are still right by two months. It's July of 2015. All right. As you
0: were, now you avert eye contact as your punishment for arguing with the expert. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I just, I, I just didn't. Yeah, the, I'm happy to admit when I'm off. Anything when things happen so fast in crypto, and it's all coming in, it's, it's like a drink of water out of the fire hose. So before we wrap up here, uh, I just, I want to say quickly, you, you, you had touched on something is about you know digital proof and actual replicas. Were you talking about some type of NFT? Or do you? I'm having trouble embracing the whole NFT thing, all right? And I can only learn about it from people smarter than me, and you're one of them. So if oh, there's something you can say about it. You're, you're very kind. Uh, you're very uh, kind. And, and I'm very accurate, okay? So you're, you're a smart dude. So Yeah, so go.
1: NFT. So what's the question? So, NFT.
0: Yeah, NFTs. So people come to me because I've got knowledge of blockchain. I'm not – I'm not, if you're selling NFTs, I think that you're a winner. But if you're buying and holding NFTs, I I think that's going to end badly. I'm just going on intuition. I can't substantiate that with any fact. Do you have a a position on NFTs or is that just too far?
2: No, I, I do have a view and I guess I'll sum it up by describing a meme I saw first off and then I'll kind of delve into a little bit more about what I think about them. But if you, this particular meme, if you can imagine a congested highway going in one direction and very few cars going in the other direction, it had lettering over the congested side saying people selling NFTs and the sparse, no traffic, very few cars coming at you said people buying NFTs. So there are definitely, the impression is definitely there are more sellers than buyers. And some of the perception we have about very expensive NFTs. I think it has to do with what's reported in the media, because there are a lot of NFTs that sell for a lot less. I mean, if you read the story about the first Twitter tweet being sold for multi-million dollars, well, that's one story. People got that thing started, right? It's like well, NFTs have been around for a lot longer. Uh, That's just the one that got into the mainstream media's consciousness. I mean, a sixty-plus million-dollar ticket at an auction house for his art, yeah, that's going to get anyone's attention. But people have been transacting NFTs for a lot longer. I mean, there are established, um, I guess, digital exchanges to buy NFTs. And you can see that there are things that go for hundreds of thousands of dollars to hundreds of dollars. It just, It's a very crowded space. And you need to be really good at being a tastemaker or a trendsetter to spot it early and be able to make the right investment the way i think about it is the same thing as art i mean when you look at the fact that some of the famous impressionists at the time of their like the, in their lifetime were underappreciated and and were starving artists yeah van gogh died the, broke van gogh died broke but, exactly that's one of the ones i was thinking about but after his death his artwork is worth millions of dollars that's kind of the play with nfts If you think about it as digital artwork, at least to the extent that you're doing an art representation, that's probably the best corollary we have in a traditional sense because each Van Gogh painting was unique. Each NFT is supposed to be unique. That's why they're non-fungible tokens. They're not the same as something else. That's the nearest corollary we have. And time's going to bear that out. I think it's still too early to tell who the big winners are going to be, but there is a lot of mania behind them. And unless you have a really good eye and are probably somewhere in the art world to begin with, I think it's gonna be very difficult. But then again, I'm no expert, so I'm not exactly one to talk. I actually think that one of the interesting implementations of NFTs outside of the artwork is in um, games where you have tradable in-game assets that are represented by NFTs. Because at that point, there's a bigger and more understandable supply-demand dynamic if you have a rare item within a game that people want, because it gives you some sort of advantage and you can sell that that's at least a little bit more understandable in the immediate time frame than it is taking a bet on a piece of digital artwork that may or may not be worth something in the future.
0: Okay. So wrapping up, thank you for that. That was fantastic. Because when I saw the lanes, it's like, that's how I'm going to explain it to my friends. I mean, I, I really, I I've got a better grasp on how to articulate the narrative. Um, as far as can you name three jobs, that you think, maybe you can't name them yet, but three jobs we're not thinking about today that are gonna exist because of blockchain? Ooh, that's an interesting question. Or three Three jobs, jobs. or or name one that's gonna gonna go away. I'm just, I I want my view, I I think it's gonna happen.
2: One job that's going to go away. So if you firmly believe in the decentralization concept, then you firmly believe in the power of a DAO, the decentralized autonomous organization. And if you firmly believe in a DAO that is true to its core decentralized crypto, then there is no leadership structure. And if there is no leadership structure, you're going to see the C-suite evaporate. But that is assuming that the DAO becomes a primary organizing structure in the future. And I think the jury's out on that one. Dude, we're going to have you back and we're going to talk just
0: about that. Okay? We're going to talk just about that.
2: So, by the way, the only reason I even have any sort of framework of understanding how these might operate is because I recently started at least listening in on and uh, understanding how one of these DAO communities work. Because the only way I look at it is if I don't educate myself, I can't talk about it or I can't even understand it myself. So I was looking at an interesting DAO that's launching, it it basically index like products to to, um, make them available. So instead of having to research a bunch of underlying tokens, They have a quantitative screen that picks them out for you and you own one token that represents a slew of underlying assets and they're organized purely as a DAO. There is no leadership structure. It's very confusing when you walk in, but when you start seeing how things are organized, it's definitely much more of a network effect type, um, type organization.
0: So not only are we going to lose our jobs to robots, we're going to lose it to blockchain, which is a robot in itself. Hmm. Eduardo, Eduardo Abreu, thank you so much for the the learned time you you've spent with us. I I mean I, I really I want to go further, right? But I I just believe the podcast should be no more than an hour because viewers will look at them and go, an hour and forty. I don't know if I have that much of my life,
2: right? They're going to look at it and say, TLDR, too long didn't read. In this case, too long didn't listen.
0: <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, thank you so much, and to my co-host. <laughs> Robo recruiter Dave Hampton you got anything else to say to this brilliant man
1: a pleasure to finally get a chance to speak with you so likewise thanks for having me on guys
0: yeah and so Thank basically I'm, I'm David James I'm the job whisperer, and I just want to remind everybody if you want you're looking for me if you need candidates for your project or any of your blockchain thing uh, items projects you got going you can find me at uh, the BTC recruiter on Twitter that's at the BTC recruiter or if you want to do it the old way, you can go to blockchainrecruiters.net. That's blockchainrecruiters.net, com. Anyhow, so I'm David James of Job Whispers, Dave Hampton. It's been another week. And remember, get whispered.